This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, this station will conduct a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. The following program is intended for mature audiences. Oh, you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Shock blew up! Welcome to This Week in Tennis. Welcome to This Week in Tennis. That was Kansas. Let's play the game tonight. My name is Phil Nasons, and I'm the host of this syndicated radio show, This Week in Tennis. Craig Doyle, the co-host, is on the line. Welcome, Craig. How you doing, dude? I'm doing very well, Phil. Um, nice to hear from you again. It's starting to get damn cold over here, though. Uh, so, you know, I'm glad I'm inside recording this show with you. 
Uh, it's cold here too, man. And they've turned this heater up in the studio, which is almost fixed, by the way. And now we got all kinds of stuff going on here. It's crazy. I, I tell you what, it was easier to do the show in Greece. <laughs> well, you know, there's uh, some positives to Greece after all. Yeah, <laughs> there's plenty of positives to Greece, but it's still it's good to talk to you. And you can find this radio show every day over at Max Sports Channels. And you can find it every day at the 405 Media, the talk alternative. They play at all different times of the day on that channel. And this one is, I believe, it's at, it's right before my daily show. So I guess it would be at 4.30, 5 o'clock, uh, whatever. But um, I'll tell you something. There is a serious, serious issue. And we might talk about this for a while. A very serious issue. Match fixing. Something I completely despise. Apparently, Craig... You've got Daniele Bracciali and Potito Saraci, two Italian players who have been implicated in match-fixing on the ATP Tour. Um, in a July 2000 conversation on Skype between Bracciali and an accountant who was arrested in 2011, Bracciali discusses arranging a match in Newport, Rhode Island, against American Scoville Jenkins. Jenkins won two and one. In 2011, Craig, an owner of a betting parlor who was later arrested, is heard saying that Starachi agreed to sell the final of a tournament in Casablanca. Pablo Andahar of Spain won the final 6-1-6-2. What do you think about all this match-fixing, Craig, on the professional tour? It's a rather interesting, if dangerous, topic to delve into, just given the fact that it is very, very difficult to prove that any of this is genuine. I mean, there's perhaps conversations or the claims to com be conversations, etc. But uh, it, it's very difficult to actually prove that um, a player has arranged a particular scoreline um, or whatever ahead of time. It, it's not something that's uh, written down. There's no sort of physical evidence of this. So I think you've got to be really cautious when you're pointing the finger at someone um, claiming that the, the, you know, they've attempted to fix a match in a, in a bid to cheat the bookmaker or whoever. Um, it's, it's very, very difficult to tell. Uh, I don't know. You know what? I was told by an 18-year-old couch potato down in Australia who's never played tennis before that even an idiot could tell if someone was tanking or losing on purpose. Even an idiot, he said to me. It was very strange, but you're right. It's very difficult, but here's the thing. They've got the conversations from Skype, so they actually know what's happening. I don't know. Maybe they texted you. They were texting each other back and forth or talking, but they got these guys. They wouldn't put their names in the paper unless something was up. But it, this is a greater issue, and, and that is this. It's easy to fix matches on the tour because there's lots of them. And more importantly, there are lots of big money matches. Even these little potato matches that a guy like Starachi plays in, those are betted on heavily, Craig, heavily. That's and, and a few weeks ago, somebody told me, you know, you're encouraging gambling on your show. And you know what? I think he was right. And that's why I stopped talking about this flash, winning cash with the flash. You want to do that? Go to Fantasy Sports. Go to FanDuel.com. Use the so promo code 
Philly flashed, and you can go and knock yourselves out, but I'm not going to give anybody any more tips. But here's the deal, unless it's fantasy tips, and you can catch that on my daily show. But these two guys, if they get caught, if, they, if this turns out to be true, they should be banned from the sport for life, Craig, because they're just garbage. Oh, it's undoubted, and uh, I think, you know, there's history of people who have been banned from not just this sport, but other sports for life, for attempting to fix matches or parts of matches or just organize some part of a match to uh, go against what the uh, the odds are in the betting. What does make me a little curious about the, the scorelines involved in these potential uh, cases is that they're not similar to scorelines we've seen in previous years where match fixing has come up as a, a possible uh, infringement on the tour. I mean, normally these matches, you find that the, uh, the player fixing the match usually wins the first set, and then the odds are heavily against his opponent winning it, and that's usually at the point where the sort of gamblers, the people who are in on the fix, tend to bet heavily because they get a better better set of odds. So, you know, these were matches were straight sets wins, so maybe a, bit, a little bit more difficult to spot the patterns for those looking for them. Or maybe Bracciali pulled a fast one on this accountant because back in 2007, Scoville Jenkins was on the rise. Playing on grass, he was pretty strong at. Bracciali's not going to play on grass. Come on. So this doesn't. This is kind of silly, really, because you don't have to fix it. He doesn't have to tank a match to get beat by a guy like Scoville Jenkins back in 2007. And I saw even at, you know the, the geniuses on Facebook and Twitter were actually trying to implicate Scoville Jenkins in this whole thing. And Scoville Jenkins has nothing to do with it, as far as I can tell. He was the recipient of... Of the gift, apparently. But here's the other thing, too. Prosecutor Roberto DiMartino, who is the leading or who is leading the Cremona inquiry, Cremona, Italy, where all this nonsense is taking place, added that foreign tennis players might be involved, which means outside of Italy. I can't rule that out, but I can't say anything more for now. Uh, how big a scandal can this be? Uh, potentially huge. I mean, there's a lot of betting rings out there. Um, there's very big known betting rings involved in betting on British soccer. Uh, those are based out of the likes of Asia. You've got a lot of Eastern European type betting rings, um, all connected to uh, criminal, other, other sort of criminal underworld organizations, etc. It could potentially be a, a global issue. There could be people all over the place in on these sort of things. Um, although, you know, on the other hand, it could be isolated to uh, perhaps a player and his, his team, um, family and friends sort of thing, but it, it's very unlikely. Um, you, usually these things are picked up due to betting patterns, uh, large-scale betting patterns, abnormalities in the uh, pattern of betting on matches. So you've got to imagine that it's a pretty big operation that they've noticed this. Well, it's not a big operation. I know people who actually do this for a living, and they tell me that uh, they can tell within five minutes looking at the scores that somebody's throwing a match. They can tell by the money bet on certain players, certain underdogs. Um, is it a big thing? No, it's not a big scandal. It shouldn't be either. These guys are nobodies. You know, I remember when Nikolai Davidenko was implicated. Again, he was implicated, I believe, 
I wrote this down somewhere over here on the other page. Um, he was implicated in 2007 as well. So these are cases that went along a long time ago. And Nikolai Davidenko, from what I've been told, is headed towards the Hall of Fame now that he's retired. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, if that's the case, then Johan Creek, they should put him in twice. But uh, neither here nor there, I don't think it's that big a deal, really. I, don't, I, I think it's a big deal for these two knuckleheads, and I think they should be banned for life. And I think anyone who is caught should be banned for life. But I don't see it as a big situation. It's obvious that it's out there. But is it a big scandal? No, because these guys are nobodies. If it was Rafael Nadal or Novak Djokovic doing it, that would be a scandal. This, this is just another one of those little blights on the big map or blimps on the big map known as tennis. Kick their asses out and move on. Make an example out of them. That's what I say. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, tennis, you don't tend to get as many match-fixing issues as you do in some other sports. It's it's not been as high-profile in the last few years as, say, uh, cricket, where there's been several players uh, caught spot-fixing or match-fixing. So, um, you know, for, for the light to be cast on tennis, it's a little bit of a surprise, I guess. But uh, in the grand scheme of things, it's not someone fixing matches at the top end, so it doesn't really infect affect the integrity of the sport as a whole. But from the perspective of the bookkeepers, the um, betting syndicates, whatever, um, it's not good for them. I mean, it it leaves them uh, in, a, in a nasty position where they're kind of hung out to dry by uh, people taking money off them for, for matches that are prearranged. I mean, that, that's not good for that industry. But uh, for, for the actual tennis industry, it's not going to be a huge deal. Okay, let's remind you that this is This Week in Tennis and not This Week in Gambling. So we don't care about the gambling in industry. We care about the tennis industry. <laughs> and the tennis industry would be fine. You know something? If, if, and we don't know that guys at the top end haven't tanked and fixed matches. We don't know. Their names just haven't come up. It's just like they say that these guys aren't, some of them aren't using um, performance-enhancing drugs. But... Well, you know, it's, some of these guys disappear for a while, unexplainably. So you never know, really. You just never know. And, and the thing is, again, though, these guys are two nobodies who are never going to be somebody in tennis except somebody's teacher. And that's fine, too. But let them tank. And, and I'm sure it happens more often than not. But the gamblers, they figure it out quick. It, it's interesting that the bookies figure it out before the ATP does. But it is what it is. Good riddance to this rubbish. That's what I say. Absolutely. And uh, that goes for anyone in any other sport. You know, if you're going to cheat, if you're going to deceive in that way, um, you basically you get what you deserve. Adios. We don't care about other sports right now. This is This Week in Tennis. I do a daily show where we can talk about that if you'd like. Um, but I don't think guys do that very much either. You know what, though? Uh, Roger Federer won Shanghai, and Novak Djokovic didn't. And... It was really quiet on social media because, you know, the uh, Djokovic army was out there in full force when he wins. But when they lose, you could hear a, ver a proverbial pin drop, a cyber pin drop when he loses. Roger Federer is coming into his own towards the end, and that's got to be good for the tournament that should be in Madison Square that's actually being played, I don't know, in that other little town somewhere in, in, in the U.K. What do you think? Is he, go is he going strong? 
Um, he always goes strong indoors, doesn't he? He likes playing that indoor hardcore surface. It kind of suits everything uh, about his game. He'll enjoy it. Um, I, I think uh, it's a tournament he's always done well in, no matter where it's been. So, given given the situation this year regarding his competition not being particularly strong and compared to previous years, I, I think he's probably the favourite to win it. Yeah, he should be, because uh, Rafael Nadal had an appendicitis, and, and I, I know how that feels. I had one, too, when I was playing, except I didn't realize it, and it burst. And I ended up getting peritonitis and get missing six months of everything because of it. But we wish him a speedy recovery. But, yeah, he looks pretty good right now, but we'll have to wait and see. And, and people are talking about him like he should be playing for another three or four years. Maybe he will, but will he dominate like this? And he's dominating the tour right now, I think. Can he win it, though? I that's a tough grind. I don't. I don't see him winning another major. Just like I don't see him winning another Masters final. I just don't see it, Craig, because he runs out of gas at the end, doesn't he? Well, I was just trying to weigh things up the other day when I was looking at it, and uh, as you said, Nadal he's suffering from an injury. Um, Murray, he's you know you could flip a coin whether he's even going to make it to the finals. He's he's struggling. Um, Djokovic. His wife's just about to give birth, so there's not even a guarantee that Djokovic might even make it to the starting line. He might just pull out. He's indicated thus far that he could pull out. And then you look down the list of players, and it's all guys that Federer can dominate. Uh, you know, guys like Dimitrov, Wawrinka, um, Ferrell's in there, Raonic, those sort of guys you kind of expect Federer to beat. So in terms of you know form and the fact that he's coming into it playing some really good tennis and uh you know just just overall presence that Federer has on the court i think uh i, I can see him winning I, I think he's favored for me and there you go perfect but you know something there are some guys there that are on the bubble here for the last three spots you've got marin silich thomas birdish Milos Raonic, David Ferrer, Andy Murray at number 10, and Dimitrov is at number 11. Andy Murray, though, you know what? He won a couple weeks ago, Craig, and no one gave him any props. What is the deal with this bagging on this coach thing? It's, a, it's almost as if people expect, and I, I'm pointing my finger at you, too, by the way. You all expect this coach to make miracles out of You can't turn sunshine out of crap. I mean, it's not her fault that he can't hit a second serve. What's she supposed to do, teach him how? He's won two majors. What is the deal with people bagging on this girl all the time? Yeah, I, I think people look at her and they think, well, why has he gone from a coach like Lendl, who had a little bit of presence, who would, you know, every time he looked up that stand and he started issuing verbals, he wasn't going to be doing that to someone like Lendl. Just some sort of, you know, authority figure sitting there that kept Murray in check, uh, someone who who was a winner, who, who had been there and done it. Um, so just, you know, someone he could, I guess, relate to. And he's kind of swapped that in for someone who, you know, looks like another version of his mother. Someone just uh, sits there silently, uh, lets him sand off non-stop, doesn't seem to bring anything to his game in the way that Lendo did, so it, it's kind of almost like a, a backward step. Um, 
where, where Murray kind of brought Lendl in and allowed Lendl to take control a little bit. He, it's kind of like Murray's back in control and has a, a sort of figurehead sitting alongside him. So I don't think people are too impressed with that decision. I think people would have rather seen a, a strong-willed coach in there, not necessarily you know teaching him the technical aspects of the game. You know, most of these players have that, but uh, tactically, I, I think sometimes uh, having a strong coach in there is a good thing, and just that, that presence at the side of the court can often help. And uh, in, in the case of Murray, he's opted to go against that with this kind of radical experiment of uh, bringing in Amelie Moresmo. Yeah, but what do people have to do with him? He's happy. He, he wants. That's what he wants. What does it mean? Who would people are you talking about think she should? They should. He should get a stronger coach. I'm just talking about in general. I think people who who have seen Murray at the top of his game would like to see him return there. I mean, you know, granted, he's won two Grand Slams. He's happy. He can retire tomorrow, and his career will be deemed a massive success. But uh. You know, there's a lot of people out there that think he has the potential to do a little bit better than that. There's a potential to maybe add a third or a fourth Grand Slam to his uh, collection. He's been in enough finals to, to warrant that. He's had, you know, three Australian Open finals and didn't get anywhere, uh, get any success out of any of them. Um, he's been in the US Open final a couple of times. There's a lot of people who just think he just needs that person there to get him over the line in the finals and uh, you know it's no big thing if he if he doesn't but uh, he's got a plenty of years left in his playing career and I think he as a person would probably want to maximize that and if he looks back on it having not added to his collection you know more seasons like the one he's just had granted he had a bad injury um, I think he, he may be a little bit disappointed with that yeah but what's that got to do with it people probably put too much stock in Lendl uh, Lendl's not actually coaching anymore, is he? He's not, no. But I uh, believe the the last interview with him, he he did indicate he was uh, weighing up the options on players in the hope of getting back in, into the coaching game. But he's not there yet. Brad Gilbert's not there yet either. There's coaches out there, but I don't think the coach has a lot to do with it. Andy Murray is one of the best players in the world. He doesn't. The coach doesn't play for him. He still does what he wants to do. I mean, in kicking him in the pants, it, it, that doesn't work, dude, because he's their boss. He wants Emily Moresmo, so that's the way it is. Maybe he doesn't want to win anymore. Maybe he's already won enough, and he says, you know what? I'm making millions of dollars. I want my life to be easier now. I don't care if I win. They kill me either way anyway. So he probably just said, sod it, and let's go take care of our business. We'll make lots of money. Emily's probably tougher than you think, too, by the way. She is a Grand Slam champion. Give, it, give her credit. She's a Grand Slam champion. She's a good kid. She's a good teacher, too, by the way. She's patient with him. He's a nutcase sometimes. A lot of these young guys are. I, who's going to coach him next? He's had so many coaches, Craig. It doesn't matter what you do with him. It all, at the end of the day, revolves around what he wants to do on a particular day. If he wants to sound off through his coaching box, that's what he wants to do. I mean, he didn't do it with Lendl probably because he was afraid of Lendl. But it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, he got rid of him. Just like he's gotten rid of every single coach. The only consistent voice in that kid's head is his mama. And maybe mama's calling the shot still. And maybe they all realize, hey, you know what? You've won Wimbledon. You've replaced Fred Perry as the uh, 
best tennis player in England. Maybe I still would probably pick that statue. But let's move on and make money now. Let's take the pressure off. And he looks like he doesn't care, doesn't he? Yeah, he certainly does. But, you know, with his personality, he's got to win in personality. I don't think he'll be the type of guy that's going to sit back and say, yeah, you know, I'm happy I'm here. I'm making some money. I, I think he's another one of those guys that say he wants to win things. And I think he'll get very frustrated at himself because he's had such a poor year. Yeah, but he, but at the end of the day, it's all up to him. The coach can't do anything that he doesn't want to do. He's the boss. The coach ain't the boss. I don't know how many coaching jobs that you've had, but even the seven-year-old kid that you're teaching in the afternoon at some country club, technically he's your boss too. So it, it works that way. But as far as I'm concerned, I hope he stays with Amelie Moresmo because he's run out of men to ask. And I don't want to see another one of these guys get fired. Because they all get fired. Who wants to coach Andy Murray knowing you're going to get fired in a year? He fired Yvonne Lendl, Craig. He won two majors with him. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, he didn't fire Lendl. That's, you know, that's speculation. The official line was that they parted ways given Lendl's lack of time and Murray's need for someone full time. So, effectively, he didn't fire Lendl. Um, that was a, a mutual agreement. But I'll give you the other ones. He certainly fired the other ones. And you don't think he fired Lendl? Lendl didn't want to continue that relationship? No, I, I really don't think so. I, I, if anything, I think it probably was the other way around. Yeah, Lendl kicked him to the curb. See, that, that's an opinion you have, and, and I have a different one. But here's why I have this opinion. Because you just said it yourself, he's entertaining offers. So he did have time. Obviously, he's got time for those guys. Uh, would oh, you, you, said it, you said it yourself earlier on. Lendo's not back in the game yet. Uh, he's been out of the game for a significant amount of time. So, you know, perhaps at the time he had issues with his family, whatever. He, he took a back step. He's taken 18 months, two years, whatever out. And he'll come back refreshed with different ideas. It's, uh, you know, it's not necessarily that Lendo uh, had the time at, when that occurred. It, it You know, it's... It's private information. It's never been revealed, but uh, it, it's not fair to speculate on the part on either guy because we just don't know. Oh, but it is fair. This is a radio show. This is what we do. We speculate on these things. And I think Andy Murray fired him. So I'm going to stay with my speculation, and you can stay with yours. And that's radio, Craig. This is media. This isn't uh, – it doesn't matter. We're just speculating because that's what we do. Just like when we pick winners and losers for people, we're speculating because we don't really know the outcome, do we? We don't, and we're never going to know the outcome on that one because neither guy is going to say. But they will say because one of them is going to write a book <laughs> when they're done, and they're going to tell all because they both like money. And that would be a book I would love to read, Craig. Well, I'm sure you'll get the chance because uh, Andy Murray's undoubtedly got a book deal pen for when he finishes the game, and uh, you never know what Ivan Lendl's going to do next. And that's just it. But uh, I would think that he will find a way to survive like he always has. Lendl's a survivor. Are you there? He's certainly a survivor, but uh, you know he's got enough money that he doesn't need to do anything else in his life. I'm sure he can happily go show around the golf courses following his daughters or, uh, you know, hit a few balls in his back garden. 
You know, those golf coaches are expensive, man. You never have enough money when you've got five. He's got five daughters, right? Uh, Four or five, I think, yeah. Yeah, they're all playing golf, too. They don't play tennis. Why is that, you think? You make more money at golf, man. You sure do. And plus, it's easier to compete out there. You don't have to run in the sun. You don't have to worry about someone, the ball coming back at you. Unless, of course, you're playing with Tiger Woods and he's pissed at you and he just starts launching balls at you while you were on the tee box when he's in the fairway. He, he, some of these guys do it. It's a lot of fun. But I'm just speculating on that, too, because I can do that, Craig. I'm sure you can. <laughs> You're not happy with me today, are you? I'm not happy with life today. I've had a very bad phone call about 20 minutes before I came on here, and I've got a three-hour trip to make tonight due to that. All right, lovely. But anyhow, but you've been a pro all day, and that's the main thing. Anyway, this has been a lot of fun to do. I enjoyed doing the show with you, Craig. Yeah, no, man. I, I love coming in here on a Friday, uh, work finished for the week. I stick my feet up, I get a beer, and we talk some tennis. Me, I'm sitting in the studio working my tush off all day long, every day, seven days a week. But it's all good. Craig, thanks for being on the show. Go back to your beer. Enjoy your long trip. Have a nice week. Thank you very much, Phil. All right. That was, that was Craig Doyle. And you can find him at craigdoylephotography.com. For Craig Doyle, I'm Phil Nasons. This has been This Week in Tennis. Get out there and enjoy the tennis.